Good afternoon, everyone. For those of you who do not know me, my name is Noel. I'm one of the elders here at Well of Life, and I have the privilege to bring you God's word today. I will be picking up from where Sarge left last week, and we'll be continuing our Philippian series. The title of my preach is Torn Apart to Build God's Kingdom. After hearing the title of my preach, my wife was like, please don't make me feel torn apart between listening to your preach and sleeping. Now, if you don't know, my wife is one of my best and harshest critics, and she gets to listen to my preach several times before I come up here on stage. It is a privilege for her. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> anyway, have you ever felt torn apart between two desires? Like you really want both, but you can only have one at one time. There are the little things in life we feel torn apart for, like should I eat a steak or lamb chops? Should I drink tea or coffee? Coffee. coffee. Water. Amen. I'm preaching. There's no <laughs> And then there are other things in life we shouldn't be torn apart for, like follow the one true God and the way of Jesus. Be committed to a church and its leadership. Have one husband or a wife. There's no towing in those areas. But then there's this third part where we are torn apart between two godly choices. They are like life-defining moments with both joys and sorrows, and one completes the other. Like one day, all of us will leave this beautiful church when God calls us out of this city or this nation and will be planted in another one. And as much as we will miss this community, we know that the pain will be worth it because God will have a sweet assignment for us. I've come to understand this, that this third space of tone apartness is actually a sweet spot to be in. Where in one we honor God and in the other we trust Him. And together they make a beautiful story God is writing. Paul talks about a similar kind of tone apartness in the book of Philippians, where while he's imprisoned, he longs to be with the church and equally cannot wait to die to be with Christ in heaven. Let's read what he has to say. In Philippians chapter 1, from verses 21 to 26, this is what Paul writes. For to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he's doing through me. Now Paul wrote this letter to the church in Philippi while he was imprisoned. And he was not imprisoned for nothing. He was imprisoned because of sharing the gospel. The good news was so real to Paul that he did not count the cost of his own life, but thought about the consequence of sin in a person's life and that drove him to share the redemptive story of Jesus. He knew that death was not a defeat, but a simple doorway to meet Jesus. He considered death beneficial in two ways. One, he would receive the penalty for the gospel, and two, he would get to meet Jesus immediately. It was like a bonus on a bonus for this man. And then he considers the possibility of living for the church to help them grow in faith. You see, Paul understood that God wanted him to be fruitful. There was no doubt in his mind that this was God's plan for him. He understood that God wanted him to minister to people and his work was not done yet. So while considering the possibility of his death, 
He tells the Philippians that he expects to see them again and that would give them great joy because all that God was accomplishing through him. No matter where Paul went, he considered it to be a gospel assignment. He never stopped preaching the good news. Friends, even as we read Paul's words today, we get this desperate sense of tone apartness in his words. He's between the choice of life and death, but not because of himself, but to build God's kingdom or to be with Christ in heaven. He longs to be with the church and equally cannot wait to die to be with Christ in heaven. How many of us cannot wait to die today to be with Christ in heaven? To be honest, many Christians may have heard this verse, for to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. But I'm not sure if we fully understand the place and pain Paul is speaking from. Imagine if someone points a gun at your head and say, will you preach the gospel? Ask yourself that question. Put yourself in that situation and ask yourself, what will my response be? I don't want to put us under undue pressure, but I do want to understand the gravity of Paul's situation. And and today explore the sweet space of tone apartness for us today to build God's kingdom. So how do we live tone apart in our context today to build God's kingdom? Looking at Paul's life and how God used him, I see this twofold picture that creates one beautiful narrative to build God's kingdom. Friends, God used Paul to plant and strengthen churches and used him to go out into the nations and preach the gospel. Friends, no matter where we are, whatever we do, we've got to live that twofold narrative. We've got to live tone apart for the church plus tone apart for the gospel, which is equal to living tone apart to build God's kingdom. So firstly, we live tone apart for the church. One of the benefits Paul lays down of living is that he can do more fruitful work for Christ. He says, I will remain alive so I can bear more fruit for Christ. He says, if I continue to live, I can see the joy of of you growing and experience the joy of your faith. Paul sees himself as someone strengthening the church. These people knew the Lord and loved him, yet Paul wanted them to experience the joy of their faith and grow in the Lord. Why, Paul? They're saved, dude. They're Christians. They can help themselves, right? Every time I read this statement of Paul wanting to help the church grow baffles me. Because he wants them to come to this place of maturity and bear fruit for the gospel, even if it would cost him his life. Today, unfortunately, some people, not you, but some people have become like Christian graduates. They are saved in Christ, but then after a few years, the fire inside them dies down to build God's church. And then they become saved from doing anything for Christ. They have this attitude, been there, done it. Imagine if Paul said that, bro, been there, done it, went to Athens and slayed it. It was a mic drop moment. People still talk about it. (laughs) You see, Paul understood that Jesus does not stop building his church and neither should we. That God always wants to meet people's need through his people. When Jesus said to Peter, now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Friends, it was not just for Peter. It was for all of us. Jesus responds to Peter for recognizing that he is Christ, the son of the living God. 
but there's a bit of a word play here in Jesus' statement. I think Jesus liked playing, doing those word plays. Jesus uses the word in Greek, Petros, for Peter, which means a rock. And the word he uses for foundation is Petra, which means rock, substance. Jesus does not say, you are Petros, a rock, and on this Petros, I'll build my church. Neither does he say to Peter, you are Petra, as in just rock, substance, and on this Petra, I'll build my church. He says to Peter, you are Petros, a rock, and on this Petra, rock, substance, I will build my church. The Petra, the foundation, the rock, was in Peter's confession that Christ is the son of the living God. The day we recognize that Petra, we become that Petros for Christ's church. But friends, the question is, are we playing the role of that Petros on that Petra? Are we allowing Christ to build his church? Or somewhere, have we folded our hands intentionally or unintentionally, waiting for a few to come forward and serve, few to come forward and minister, few to come forward and move the chairs, while we just come as per our convenience and have a great experience with the service and leave because life is too busy. Now I'm not saying that those who cannot make it for genuine reasons to either church or our moments like the connect groups, the men's ministry, the women's ministry, the ignite times, the unite times, um, young adults, youth, to all those times are at fault. No, there is a reality, there's no denying. But my question is, what are we doing to fight that reality? What are we doing to live torn apart to build God's church? I'm not asking you to forfeit your responsibilities towards your work or your family, but are we pushing enough for God to use us to build his church? I remember last year, somewhere around September, I was preaching for the gospel series. And in the week I was preaching, everything went against me. I felt terribly sick, my work was crazy busy and tensed. I couldn't even walk out of the bed. So this was my routine in the week I was preparing. I had my laptop next to me, I would sleep for a few hours, wake up, attend a few meetings, read a few emails, respond to them, and then with my one eye open, prepare my preach notes on the side and then go back to sleep. Until Thursday, I was not prepared. I was making mistakes at work and people were calling from work and yelling at me. And like a good fleshly man, I started letting that frustration out at my wife. I was being very rude to her. I remember her saying to me, <clears throat> listen, you're preaching this week and the enemy is coming at you. Don't entertain him. And then she walks out. And I was like, God, I can't do this. It's, it's Thursday, I have to preach on Sunday. I just can't do this. She walks in back in the room and she says, you know what, <clears throat> if you cannot do it, just let Rob know. And then she left. And then I went back into my time of prayer and I was like, God, this is for later, but why does she know what's happening inside here? It's very annoying. But I, I just said this thing in my time of prayer. I said, God, take this cup away from me. I just can't do it. And as I said that, I was reminded of Jesus' moment in the Garden of Gethsemane. His exact words were, Father, if you are willing, Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Now I'm not, gonna, I'm not comparing myself, my situation, my character, my burden to Jesus at all. But I do believe that the Holy Spirit reminded me of that situation for a reason. I understood this in that moment that we will all go through challenges in life. We will all have our Garden of Gethsemane moments. 
but to be like Christ we've got to follow in obedience to the call God has placed on our lives through Jesus we may say take this cup away from me but we cannot just stop there we've got to move past those moments overcome the flesh by saying yet God i want your will to be done not mine as i realized that i went outside i apologized to my wife i came inside and i was like god i want your will to be done the next day i started feeling better miraculously i was able to preach but you see here's the thing god did a work in me he revealed my shortcomings to me so i could work on myself and then ironically on that sunday just before i was coming up to preach rob was like wait a minute he calls jeldin he says i felt like god wanted me to honor you guys for your dedication and then he was saying really good things about us but in my head i was going like god this man has no idea just 3 days ago i was going to say no i cannot preach but you see god knew god knew my struggles god knew my failures he saw me coming out of it but friends what i'm urging you is this that we've got to live torn apart we've got to fight the good fight there are genuine pressures of life but we cannot allow them to overwhelm us we've got to push so that we god can use us to build his church let's live torn apart to build god's church let's learn to say god i want your will to be done not mine and that is just one half of the picture we live to build god's kingdom the other half is that we are supposed to live torn apart for the gospel i'll tell you what i mean by that what i mean is this that it is great that we have an amazing church and god is doing great things we've just experienced but what is the mandate of the church what are we all called to go make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father son and the holy spirit paul says If I live I can do more fruitful work for Christ. What was that fruitful work? To strengthen the church, bring them to a place of maturity so that they could bear more fruit for the gospel, bring more people to Jesus. Even as a church today now we're running the alpha course why? To bring more people to Jesus. Before the alpha course we were running the gospel series why? To give you tools and techniques to share the gospel in your context. and then we were encouraging the entire church and you did a great job by inviting people to alpha the entire alpha team came on the first two day despite heavy rain and traffic why to share the gospel the course is still running why to share the gospel paul wanted to live why to share the gospel friends paul was thinking about these things even when he was in prison because he knew the calling was for the message to go There's another example of Jesus and Peter I'm not sure why I'm reminded of them so often but when Jesus met Andrew and Peter for the first time he helped them fish and he said come follow me and I will teach you how to fish for people following Jesus means fishing people so that we can bring them to the good news when we follow Jesus we don't just come to him and just stay where we are we continue following him we take the good news to those who do not know that Jesus Christ is the king of the world that he is our lord and savior and only through him we can receive the gift of eternal life i don't think jesus wants us to be in a comfort boat of christianity he wants us to step out of those boats and share the good news friends i love i love i love this church just having a god fearing conversation with a dilan 
or with a Sean or with a Saj gives me great joy. And there's a time and place for it, but that's not it. We've got to go. We've got to go out into our cities like the Samaritan woman. Morgan just shared that testimony of how the ladies went out into the city today, I mean this week. We've got to go out into the nations like Paul. When Jesus ascended into heaven, this is what he said to his disciples. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria and to the ends of the world. Friends, as believers, we have received the power of the Holy Spirit and we must go to our Jerusalems, our Judeas, our Samarias and to the ends of the world. You may have heard of the apostolic trips we've been announcing. These are not elders only exclusive apostolic trips. We want you to come with us so that you can shine the light of Christ. But friends, here's the thing. Even when you share the gospel, you are going to be torn apart and that is a reality. The enemy may whisper at you saying, are you sure you want to share the gospel with your family, friend or neighbor or coworker? Are you sure you want to go for this apostolic trip or you may want to save up for your family vacation? By the way, just an update on my end. I am going through another restructure in my company. Praise the Lord. <laughs> One of this friend told me, you know what, you may want to re reconsider going to Athens, Greece. Geraldine and I are taking an uh, apostolic trip into Athens, Greece on the 21st to the 27th of April. This person said, maybe you want to reconsider this apostolic trip because, you know, restructure. Mm. I was like, I'm going. And I'm not being irrational. I was just, while speaking to this person, I just started counting and I was like, bro, I've been in the company for seven years. In seven years, I've had six line managers, two leaderships, three roles, and this is the fourth restructure. And I have done nothing amazing to be in this company apart from just serving as I've served unto God. And God has sustained me. And if God can sustain me for seven years, he'll sustain me for another seven years. And if he wants to change the course of my life, so be it. But till he calls me to be here, I will live to the fullest. And I'll do what he's called me to do. Just like my Messiah said, why do you think about clothing? Look at the lilies and how they are. They don't make their own clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully about the vile flowers who are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't think about these things. What will we eat? What will we wear? What will we drink? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. And your heavenly father already knows about all your needs. So seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. So don't think about tomorrow. For tomorrow will have its own worries. Today's troubles are enough for today. Friends, that's how we ought to live. No matter what the cost, we should go out and share the gospel into our cities, into the nation. 
because Christ has, Christ has paid the ultimate price for us. And when we go out, he will make sure we have a provision ready for us. If he can take care of the wildflowers, he'll take care of us. But here's the thing, don't focus on the provision, focus on the provider. He will make sure you have the provision. Friends, let's live torn apart for the gospel. Let's seek the kingdom of God above all else and he will give us everything we need. This twofold picture that I've just presented to you to live torn apart for the church and to live torn apart for the gospel helps us living torn apart to build God's kingdom. Too often we've been seeing this fragmented picture that the church has been separated from the gospel adventure. Many think that going out in the city or the nations is only for the evangelists or the missionaries. And I'm not even saying that they don't have a calling. They definitely do and God will use them. But we are all called to go. We are all called to build and to go. We've got to play that dual role to build God's kingdom. In verse 26, Paul says, And when I come to you again, you will have even more reasons to take pride in Christ Jesus because all that he's doing through me. There's this leader friend of mine, and I've asked him to share something with us. And as he says, you will definitely take pride in Christ Jesus because of what God is doing through him because he's on his apostolic trip right now. <clears throat> But I also want us to hear from him on what does it look like to live torn apart for the church and the gospel to build God's kingdom. We ready? Let's hear from him. Hey friends, greetings from a very windy um, Cape Town. I'm here on Nurtuk Beach and in a moment I'm going to go back to the rocks and shelter from the wind so that you don't get all this noise. A beautiful sea behind me and the mountains of Cape Town going up into the, into the clouds over here. And uh, we've been gathered here for three days as the Genesis leadership um, to try and uh, uh, spend some time planning, praying, and tapping into what God is, do is on about prophetically. What is he doing in the nations of the earth today? Um, and uh, we're here on the back of three days in uh, running our Cape Town collective itself with churches from this nation and the nations around it have gathered together and, uh, and our goal has been to energize and to mobilize and to, um, to bring them onto this gospel adventure as well. And, and they represent beautiful, healthy local churches here who in their local context are doing something extraordinary. But there is this, um, this dual call inside all of us, um, like um, with Rebecca having Jacob and Esau inside of her and she, she said I've got two nations that are wrestling inside of me and in some ways all of us have to have this, this double heartedness where we have a heart for what God is doing in our local context amongst um, the family that he's placed us in and, and uh, we, we consider the work that we're doing and loving them and in building a community and um, in, in bringing healing and wholeness to people etc bringing people to maturity in our local base where we build our lives but also carry the nations of the earth inside of us as well. And this call to go to, to, to every place, to every um, city and town and village to make sure that there are, are gospel communities being planted and the gospel is being lived out and demonstrated. And that tug 
needs to be in both, in all of us rather, those, both the local and the translocal. And it's not always easy. It's not always easy to, to hold those two things together and, and understand how um, we can love one place but be drawn somewhere else as well, to be continually looking to the horizons that God has for us, to understand that this um, beautiful place we're in right now is, is, a, is a base actually to launch us. And whether uh, in different seasons of our life, obviously that, that may represent different things. And so whether we're um, staying or going at a particular point in time, we're all working together to make sure that both sides of that, um, that vision that God has given us are in place. And, uh, but there is something that should continually be stirring in us that, that looks, um, as, as I stare out now, to that horizon over there that says, actually, God, where have you called us to? What are the nations that you're opening up to us? Um, and it might be a, um, a work move that, that is a catalyst to open up um, a city or a nation or a, or a village even that God would send us to. It might be uh, somebody that we know or a contact that we have. And so even as, we, as you sit there today in that um, auditorium in Dubai, um, I want you to be thinking about the nations. I want you to be stirred with the nations, even as, as I am. I, I'm wearing my apostolic cap here. As we gather here, I get to minister tonight in a church in Cape Town called Church on Main and on Sunday as well. Um, in both of their meetings before we come back to Dubai. Um, and I carry that church and what God has called them to as, as, as I carry will of life. And, and, I, and I hope you do too. I hope you carry the local and the nation together. Linda, I love you. We long to see you soon. God bless. Bye. You guys do know this friend of mine, right? <laughs> Friends, like I said, <clears throat> we build and we go. That building is the local, going is the translocal. So here's what we are calling you today to. We're calling you today to live torn apart for the church. And that does not mean that you have to abandon your responsibilities towards your family, your friends, but that does mean that you fight the good fight. That does mean that you don't let life and its challenges overwhelm you to a place that you cannot step out and be at a place where God wants to use you to serve him and his people. We're calling you to live torn apart for the gospel. That means be kind, be gentle, be patient, but be bold and intentional in sharing the gospel with your family or your friends or your neighbors. Save up and sign up for one of the apostolic trips. Come with us and shine the light of Christ. Experience the joy of taking the gospel out into the nations. Friends, we want you to live torn apart with us to build God's kingdom. We want you to be with us, a church on a gospel adventure.